Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Welcome, everyone. Good evening. Welcome. Here I am. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome, people online. Is that also? Uh, so it's a privilege to gather together, and even more so during Advent. So I lit our first candle because uh, we need to remember that we're in a sacred season, and. Um, even more so Washington churches in a sacred season with these vision gatherings. So <clears throat> as we gaze upon Mary in her pregnancy this month, Washington church is also pregnant with uh, God's newness for us. And so we get to explore that together. We get to listen together. Um, we get to pray together and worship together. And we are waiting expectantly. Um, that's what Advent is. And so we um, have an extra special overlap of Advent and vision. And so here we are together. Uh, you're going to find, I'm going to read actually from the scripture from today's Advent calendar. So this is available for everyone. And a copy of the vision statement um, is available on your table as well. So join me in prayer. Just take a pause with the food and um, uh, let's hear from God's word and then I'll just say a prayer for us. So this is uh, from our Advent readings together. It's Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Loving Father, we come together to you this evening. We remember together that we are in a sacred season, that we light a candle together uh, literally in the darkness um, of winter. And we wait together expectantly for the birth of your son, Jesus. And tonight we wait expectantly to continue to deepen in this vision that you've given us. Would you give us willing hearts? Would you give us open ears and deepening trust that these are your words for us and we can step into them with faith? That we don't have to be afraid, but that this is the way forward for us, for this moment and this, this time and this people. So we love you and we thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
You can, you can keep eating them. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Anne. No, not necessarily. All right. I have the privilege of guiding you through our next few moments together. Um, I feel really loud. There's not that many of you. Like, I could just project <laughs> if I need to, but for those of you online, I'll stay on the mic. Whoo, I'm really bad at remembering that. Um, okay, so we're here, and this is like the third time that we've gathered um, since coming out with our vision statement. So I just want to um, remind us why we're here, what we're doing here. Um, <laughs> so we had a two-year process of discerning God's vision for Washington Church moving forward into the future. And it was a labor of love, of long hours and discernment and prayer. And we landed here with a vision statement that we believe is what God is, is speaking to Washington Church as a church body right now and, and calling us into. And so we're getting together to discuss each of these words and as a church get ready to, to move on this um, that God has given us. And so I'm going to read it aloud. The vision statement is at your table um, just so that we can, can center ourselves on what we're here and what God is saying um, to our church and then do with it um, what God is asking us to. So at Washington Church, we are a community of disciples of Jesus Christ embodying the power and giftings of the Holy Spirit, cultivating space for healing, and living in and expanding God's kingdom on earth. And so last time we were together in this space, we looked at the words community and disciples of Jesus Christ. And we looked at the scriptures at our tables and we wrote stuff down and we discussed it at our tables. We discussed it in a large group. And so now this evening we're going to move into the next three words that are embodying the power. And so I have been tasked, and, and specifically the power of the Holy Spirit. So not going into giftings tonight, hold your horses for January, but we're going to be talking about embodying first, and then talking about the power of the Holy Spirit next. So I've been tasked with talking about the word embodying, and then Jimmy will lead us through our time discussing the power of the Holy Spirit, which should be really good. I, to stay on time and on task, I'm going to read my notes, which I don't like to do, <laughs> but I'm going to for all of our sake. Um, so when the vision team began to approach the part of our vision statement that didn't define what we already saw as that we were um, becoming as a people. So we really felt like community of disciples of Jesus Christ was something that has already been decades in the making at Washington Church, that we've been seeking to be a community of disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that really grounded us in our statement of this is already how God has been at work for long before <laughs> we got here, um, that we desire to be a community of disciples of Jesus Christ. 
But then as we began to um, discern and look forward to the future into who God was calling us to become, um, it moves us into the next part. Um, and so when we were looking at this transition word um, between those two things, um, the word embodying was what we chose. And we really <laughs> did sit in here and, and labor over that word. Um, and so uh, we talked last time about how the word disciples of Jesus Christ is meant to be a deep reaching term for us that speaks to just how all encompassing a walk with Jesus is supposed to be. Um, so this next word um, embodying for us really continues um, to express the depth and the breadth of what we want to pursue in this next season in our church. Embodying cannot be disconnected from the words before it or after it in the statement. To be a disciple of Jesus is to embody his teachings through experiencing the truth and living into and out of each word that Jesus says. To imitate in our everyday lives the Jesus way of life. To the vision team, the word embody was the action word needed to provide the scope with which we want to view and manifest the power and giftings of the Holy Spirit. Embody to us was a word that spoke of willingness and openness to what God wants to do. Embodying was a word that fulfilled our desire to express that focusing on the power and giftings of the Holy Spirit is not something we're doing as a church body, but who we are becoming as we move forward in our spiritual journey together. The word embody is another word in our vision statement that encourages us to be all in. It's not just gaining head knowledge or a feeling in our hearts. It is the full body spiritual experience that God intends for his kids. An experiential learning, process-oriented way of approaching the power and giftings of the Holy Spirit. You can't half embody something. That is, you can't agree with something in your head and embody it. That is why we chose the word embody to begin the next portion of our vision statement that focuses on who we are becoming as a people. As we move forward, we are seeking to go all in with a willingness and openness to flesh out our faith in a full body, whole life experience. And so let's see if I can embody what I'm trying to say to you in this. So for example, which would give more clarity? If I were to say, who's not eating right now? Can I call out somebody who's not eating? Bridget, come on up. You love this. That's what you get for being on your phone, Bridge. Okay, come on over. All right, so, Bridget, this is what I want you to do for me, all right? You ready? Okay, move your whole body up and down vertically in, um, in the area with increments of time where your feet aren't touching the ground and increments of time where your feet are touching the ground. Yeah, okay. Good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... What would you do? That's what, so at first it was like, yeah, I'm moving up and down vertically. Um, or if I said, watch me and do this. How much easier would that be for you, right? Much easier. So you can go, Bridge, thanks. Yeah, yeah, too good. Thanks, Bridge, you can go back on your phone now. Just kidding. Okay, um, so it's easier 
to observe somebody embodying something and have clarity about what they're trying to get across than just using our words. Um, and we see now, like Anne pointed out to us, we're in the Advent season, and so we're contemplating um, incarnation. And we see incarnation in some of our vision images, the orchard um, of a seed going into the ground, being buried, dying, and coming to life again. And so the whole Christian life is, is incarnational, is about embodying. Tablets of stone could never give full clarity to God's desire for his people. He had to put on flesh and come down and walk around and show us who God is and what he's about. And many, um, so when we look at this and, and Jesus and his incarnation and think about how do we embody the power of the Holy Spirit, or embody being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It shows us that when God asks us to jump, so to speak, our question is not supposed to be, well, how high? But rather, can you show me? I want to jump just like you. Because that's what we see Jesus say in the gospel. I only do what I see my Father doing. And then Jesus embodied the full character of God for us in the flesh. And now that is our call as Christians, is to fully embody Christ, which we are only able to do through fellowship with the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about next. So what we're going to do is at your tables, you have embodying scripture, and then some questions to discuss over dinner. And those questions are, what are Bible stories that you think of where someone embodied the power of the Holy Spirit? So this is our icebreaker question, so to speak. Think about if you were blessed to grow up in a Christian home, what were those stories, those hero stories of like, wow, I remember this character really embodying the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and talk about those stories and those characters and why they stand out to you. And then look at the scriptures on your table and think about um, what does the scripture say about embodying? What significance is there in incarnation? And we could go on about that for the rest of the night, but we're not going to. But you can start to broach that topic um, with your tables. And then finally, after we get past our icebreaker of our favorite biblical heroes and where we see um, people embodying the power of the Holy Spirit in the scripture, um, we'll dig a little bit deeper to what would it look like for you in your context, in your life, to embody the truths that you find in the scripture. So we're just going to take some time here to discuss at our tables, and then we'll debrief together here in a minute. All right, sweet friends. I hope that you found a safe place to externally process at your tables. I'm now going to call you out a little bit deeper from your safety zone to ask who wants to share something for the benefit of the larger group because you all do have something worth listening to. I believe it. So I'm going to come around with the mic. Don't be shy. I'll just put the mic in someone's hands if I have to. 
Hi, I'm John. I haven't even thought this out very far. Sorry, you guys can help me process this. So Jesus said that his body was real food and his blood was real drink and that we were supposed to eat and drink him. And if that isn't embodying because we are what we eat, then I don't know what it is. So there's all kinds of questions there about the reality of communion or that faith is, is more than just saying you believe in something that should change you. And there, That's a deep, deep, deep rabbit hole to go down, but I just <laughs> was thinking about that with embodying. Are you volunteering or are you helping clean up your table? Oh, okay, perfect. What? Be careful, Mitch. I'll put the mic in your hands. Yeah, no, he's on the vision team. Want to hear from somebody else? I really don't. Okay. Nope, he always has the mic because he's the pastor, so who's going to talk? All right, be careful with the pointing of your fingers. So to reiterate what Mike said. (laughs) (laughs) He was reading about Mary and how she offered uh, to have her body embody Christ. And so we thought that was quite amazing. So one of the stories that I thought of most um, ended up being of at Pentecost, um, literally the spirit of God coming down on those in the in the room in the upstairs room, and yeah, I think it's very similar in reading. Actually, as I'm thinking about it now, it's, it makes me think similarly at the beginning of John and Jesus. And the word coming and dwelling down upon the open water. Um, and just how God's spirit came into the disciples. And then they, embodying the spirit, immediately went out and started preaching and teaching um, who Jesus was to people um, who didn't even speak the same language as they natively. But just with a heart on fire for God, um, they, they just went and talked the gospel and God's work was done. Um, well, I think the, one of the first ones on our list was Daniel. I mean, we had quite a few, but, uh, you know, I think Daniel embodied the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you're standing in a lion's den, and, I mean, what, what, what do you do? I mean, he had the faith, and he knew that going in there, you know, it's just, that, that, that was good. It was good of him, and it was good of God to, to show him. And, I mean, it, uh, many times... <coughs> <coughs> Many times I wish that I had that kind of faith too, you know.
Can you give you the mic? Sorry, I can edit it another time. I have laryngitis, so I literally cannot talk, <laughs> but no one else will. Um, we spoke about actually quite a few of the same things you, you mentioned, minus you, John. We didn't go down that rabbit hole. But one of the things that we said, I suppose, um, that has not been said is when Elisha ran in front of the chariot. Um, and just how he, he could not have done that without the spirit of, of God and God's power propelling him forward. I'm not sick. I swear I just have laryngitis. What is laryngitis? All right. Does anybody else want to volunteer and not be voluntold? Oh, Okay. She did. Yeah, we also had quite a few that have already been named. We also had Stephen. I'm just thinking about at the end of it, a full embodying of the Christ is to is unto death, and just how he gave his life in following Jesus. Alrighty. So, for those of you who I've made squirm by walking around with a microphone and randomly handing it to people, hold on to your horses. We're going to fully embody this next song that we're going to sing together by standing up and doing the motions. I need Anna Ohashi, my prophetess, to come on up here. Come on. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to stand to our feet. Okay, so for some of you, this will be a blast of the past. Um, it's going to be great. But we've actually introduced, Corey was like, hey, for youth group this year, I think we should do songs with motions. And I was like, you think you're going to get teenagers to do songs with motions? Good luck. And I am not kidding you. We have had such a culture shift that yesterday we played Marvelous Light and the bridge says, I lift my hands and I spin around. And everyone, without questioning, lifted their hands and spun around because <laughs> Holy Spirit can shift cultures, which is what he's doing right now in this room. So we're going to sing this song. Um, and the chorus has motions that go like so. Waves of mercy, waves of grace, everywhere I look. I see your face, your love has captured me, oh my God, this love, how can it be? And then really just go crazy with it, all right? Let's do it. 
You came in just in time. Baby's gonna love this. Let's do it. moving, feel free to do so on this next song, too. I've tried so hard to see it, took me so long to believe Teaching me how to read. 
my voice and shout Every wall comes crashing down I have the authority that Jesus has given me you in Jimmy's hands now. Ready, Pastor Jimmy? Let's do it. Uh, before I jump in, I, a couple things. One, thanks for being here. I know that uh, we all have busyness in our lives. And we all have other places we could be tonight. And especially for those of you who have kids and you came out here either by yourself because your spouse uh, took one for the team and they're home with the other one or, or you brought them with you. Um, so I appreciate that. I've, I've been there and I know how much work that is and, and how challenging that is. But um, let me also say that this is, Anne said this uh, to start off with, um, it's just a very crucial time for us as a church family. Um, and so for as much as you can take in these things, I would really encourage you to do so. 
um, especially as we go farther and farther into this process. And we're going to need people that have been to these vision gatherings who can speak to others and help encourage them and help them come along um, if they weren't able to be here. And so that's going to be part of your responsibility and your task. Uh, there are, is a handout at the tables of what I'm going to go through with you tonight. Um, and so I, there's, we can print more copies. Uh, we print, I think there's four copies. So if you are here with somebody else, if you guys could share. Um, and we can make more if you want more. I can email this to you later on if that's helpful. Um, let me preface it by saying this. In no way am I, is what I'm about to say to you authoritative on my part. Um, I'm not sharing this with you because I've had it figured out. I'm sharing it with you because I'm on this journey with you. And as I was getting ready for tonight, a um, couple things. One, before we, we really realize what we're going to talk about tonight and focus on, um, and, you know, it would take us absolutely forever to get through every element of the vision if we were going to to stop at every word and talk about every word. But there's certain words in this vision statement that are so absolutely crucial that I think set up everything else. And if we don't understand those things, those key pieces, we're not going to understand other things. So like last week when we talked about um, community and discipleship, we didn't talk about Jesus. And so this month I'm going to preach on Jesus and who Jesus is because it's important. That's one of those things we can throw out there and all have a different understanding or definition of. Um, but we want to do the best we can to understand what does the scripture have to say about who Jesus is, who is the Christ. Um, and so that's why we're doing it. So I'll be preaching on the, those things. So we're not going to touch on that tonight. Kelly did a fabulous job of talking about embodying. That's also a loaded word. We're going to look at that in the month of December um, on Sunday mornings. But I want to talk to you about this idea of power. This is something that, um, so I'm going to start by talking about the power of God, but eventually, like as Kelly mentioned, we're going to get to the Holy Spirit, because for us, that's where all that comes from and flows from, but, but I figure it's, it's better if we back up and, and start with um, the power of God. But as I was getting ready for this tonight, a couple things happened. I, I literally went to a conference last weekend, and I knew a little bit about what it was going to be on, but um, one of the core aspects of that conference was talking about the power of God. And then there was another talk I was listening to. I'm walking back and forth. I'm, I'm now back at the UT library um, and just studying there in the mornings. And I come over here in the church building. And one of the, one of the podcasts that I listened to, the message was on the power of God. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for teaching me so that I could teach everybody else. And oftentimes that's how it is. So there's many Sundays I get up here and I speak very confidently. It's not because I know it all. It's because God has given me something to say. And it's not because I'm, I'm farther along than you all. It's because God has given me something to say. <laughs> and God's giving me something to say because we need to hear it. And that's how I approach whether it's Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. It's, Lord, what do, you, what do your people need to hear from you? And the third thing I would say before we jump into this is, there's a beauty, I wish we could all do this, but if we've grown up in the church, if we walk with the Lord long enough, it, there's, there's a negative aspect to that, and that is, oftentimes it's hard for us to read the scriptures the way the scriptures are meant to be read. And I talked about this the first time that we got together. We, we just bring so much of ourselves into it, but if you stop and just read the text for what is there, there are some really profound things that are, that are being said. And I am very guilty of this, oftentimes I just skip over them because I don't know what to do with them. 
But it's, it's also one of those aspects of, um, and I've shared this illustration before, you know, if you've ever had this experience where you buy a certain type of car, and then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere, do you know what I'm talking about? That's how this was with the idea of the power of God. Once I started to think about this, once I started to kind of think about, well, here's, here's our vision statement, it's in there, and this is part of the profoundness that, that none of us really understand, and, and if you pull one of the vision team members aside and ask them this, I, have, I haven't done this, but I would bet they would say this, that this thing came together, and they are probably still scratching their heads and saying, I'm not quite sure how this all came together in the way it is. And so literally, I believe the Holy Spirit led that, our church, but also that group of people to come up with what they came up with, and that everything that's in here is exactly what's supposed to be in here. And they, it was taken to the elders, the elders looked at it, wrestled through it, but they, they, I remember having an elders meeting, and one of the elders meeting, we were going back and forth, trying to figure out, well, what do we think of this, but what, how do we understand it? And, and at one point, we said to each other, we don't want to change any of the verbiage, but we just want to understand better what's being said. So power in the scriptures, the power of God. I'm going to walk us through a lot of scripture passages. As a teacher, this is probably not the best way to teach. But I think it's important for us to get a bigger view of this theme of power that runs itself from beginning to the end, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And if it's such a predominant theme, I think not only because it's in our vision statement, but because it's in the Word of God, we should pay attention to it. And not only should we pay attention to it, but then we should ask ourselves, what do we do with this? Much like that question, I love that third question that we didn't have time to get into that Kelly gave us, which was, how do we embody these things? And I would put forth that question as well, how do we embody the power of God? Because, spoiler alert, that's what we're supposed to do. The power of God is evident and none of us would probably dispute that. You are all able to come up with great stories about the power of God at our tables. It was fun reminiscing about childhood and the stories that we came up with and, and all the stories that were said we talked about as well. So I don't think any of us would sit here and say, well, no, I object to the fact that God has power. Right? So can I make that assumption and, and say we're good with that? Um, let me give you just two examples. Job 26, and I would say of all people, Job has an authority to speak on the power of God. He says in verse 14, he says this, and these are but the outer fringes of his works. So literally before this, and if we have more time, he goes through all these different things and, and about who God is and how God made all these things and the skies and the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the rumblings. And, the, and then he ends that statement with this, how faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? So for Job, it wasn't just power, it was thunder of power. And then the psalmist does a beautiful job in, in 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Okay? So, who's back there? Is it Lauren? Are you back there? Can you run through the, the slides? Just track with me. Psalm 147. We serve, this is one of the things that the, the presenter said at the conference, and I, 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 wrote it, I wrote it down. He said, we serve a God that is very unpredictable in many ways. And, the, and a God that is powerful beyond our understanding. And I, I think sometimes we don't need, know what to do with that power. But here's the thing that's fascinating to me. Most Christians teach about the power of God in the past. 
but not the power of God in the present. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the power of God in the scriptures, but I want to bring it forward into now what do we do with this as a people of God? Because if, if the power of God is still relevant and true, then it should still be here with us today. Does that make sense? Right? Otherwise, it's just back there, and then if it's just back there, then God becomes very weak. And then I would say God becomes a God that we wouldn't want to, is not worthy of worship. And so our theology should tell us that not only is God true, because Hebrews tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the person of Christ, what we see in Christ and the power, power of God is true then, also true today. Now, next time we get together, we're going to get into what does that look like and how is that lived out. But some examples in the Old Testament. Um, Saul and David, kings that were anointed 1 Samuel 11, when Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. Okay, so again, we see an example of the power of God coming on somebody in the Old Testament, and then David, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. Not because they themselves had any power, but because when the presence of God comes upon somebody, the power of God is a part of that presence. So there's a similarity between the presence and the power. If the presence is there, the power is there also. Okay? That's a big thing. I didn't always understand that, and I'm still trying to figure out what that means, and I didn't always believe that that was true. Because for me, again, God was this powerful thing in the past, and maybe God will do something. And it's kind of hit and miss as to whether or not, and that was kind of my theology that I lived. So there's, there's two aspects of, of walking in faith. And, I, and again, I learned this at the conference as well. The first is, is faith in your head. It's called noetic. And I think a lot of Western Christianity is there. How do I understand? What are the doctrines? What are the right beliefs? What is this religion I have? And if everything stays in here, then what's the problem? This is not where the faith is meant to be lived exclusively. This has to be a part of it. This has to come along for the journey. Otherwise, you're living this kind of divided self. But the other aspect, so that's the noetic kind in your head. The next is the numinous kind. The numinous literally refers to the dynamic power of God at work among human beings. And essentially that's what the speaker was saying is if you look at the scriptures, it's not noetic, it's numinous. It's an embodied power of God that we see on display throughout the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And the powerful thing is that we're all invited to play and join in. It's never just a thing out there that we aren't to be a part of. And so that's the invitation that we have. Okay? The power of God is on display in Jesus Christ. Again, none of us would say, no, I don't know, I'm not sure about that. Okay, other faiths would say that. That's what differentiates us from other faiths is, is who Jesus is. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, ma of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. And literally the universe, Colossians tells us, the universe is held together by Christ, by Jesus Christ himself. And this is some of the things that I'll talk about in, in the month of December on Sunday mornings. But if, if God stopped thinking of us, we wouldn't exist 
If Jesus decided not to hold the universe, the universe wouldn't exist. That's the level of power that God has that's on display in who Christ is. So when, when we experience the power of God, if you've had the privilege of experiencing the power of God, you've experienced the very presence of God, but also of Jesus Christ has been embodied in that moment. Whether it was in you, if you've experienced healing or transformations or, or of any kind, or you got to see it in somebody else. Literally, the presence of Christ was there because that's how it happens. Jesus is the very wisdom of God. Therefore, he is the conduit through all which all power of God flows. Everything moves and flows through Christ. In him, we live and move and have our being, is what Paul tells us in Acts 17, 28. But here's the mystery of things. Jesus was a human being like us. So the Christ presence was on Jesus. The Christ presence dwelled from the beginning of time. Jesus Christ had a birthday. He came out, he was a human being born just like we were, the presence of Christ upon Jesus. Christ is not his last name, okay? And in that was was what we know as the God man, the son of God and the son of man. Okay? Humanity and divinity in perfect reality merged into one being. But we read these scripture passages, Luke 4:14, Jesus returned to Galilee in po- in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So there's something about at one point Jesus is in this place again, never ceasing to be God, never ceasing to have the Christ presence, but all of a sudden the scriptures define him as one having power. So there's a shift that happened. I believe that happened at his baptism at the Jordan River when the Holy Spirit descended on him. And all of a sudden, this partnership began. And again, I, don't, I can't clarify all these things. People have been wrestling with these things for thousands of years. But this is what the Scriptures tell us. The power of God was upon Jesus. Luke 5, 17, And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So when the power comes upon somebody, what's one of the examples of what happens? The healing happens. Okay, this passage is in Luke 5 is where um, the, the four people bring the cripple. They believed that Jesus had the power to heal their friend. Otherwise, they wouldn't have cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down. They would have taken all that time and effort. But they believed that something could happen. And this, this guy was different than anybody else that they knew of. Luke 6, 19. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. And we, we look at that story of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, and she said to herself, if I could just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, not even his physical body, I can be healed. She had such great faith that Jesus had so much power that that could take place. And then we look at that same passage, and Jesus says that he felt power leave him. Again, the mystery of how that works, I don't know. But he, he had a shift within himself. And he knew that somebody was healed that he didn't touch, that he didn't speak a word over, that he didn't deliberately walk over and lay his hands on or pray for, but simply by faith, this woman was healed through the power of Christ, because everything flows through the power of Christ. That's the type of power we're talking about. Power is an explosive and environmental in the sense that it is an actual atmosphere of heaven that's pulled into earth. So when those things took place, literally, you're seeing the manifest presence of God, the heavenly presence of God, being pulled down, and earth is being transformed through it and by it. 
And we see that in, in the acts of, of Jesus as he lives his life. Now, we go a step further. So, again, this is it's not a big stretch to go. Um, God has power. Yes, Jesus has power. Absolutely. Now we go another tier. And this is where it starts to get interesting. But, again, this is the model of the scriptures. And so we have to, we have to look at the text and say, what does the text have to say? What do we do with that? Jesus then gives power, not only power, but authority to his disciples when he sends them out. So that same power that he carried with them, somehow he was able to transfer that power and the authority onto these 12 men. And he sends them out with a task that they could not possibly do on their own without this power and without this authority. In Luke, 12, or Luke 9, 1 and 2, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And we'll get to the kingdom of God. That's the end, at the end of the verb vision statement. But you see that where the kingdom of God is, these things are happening. The power of God is present. The demonic is being cast out. Diseases are being cured. And people are getting healed. That just seems to be how, that seems to be what Luke believes is true when the kingdom of God is at hand. And this is no longer Jesus who's doing these things. These are human beings who've been commissioned to go with the power and the authority of, of Jesus through the Father to go and do these things. So we're now another step removed, and these things are happening by normal, mere, mortal people. Which again, you read these texts and you go like, oh, that's so cool. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. Because now we have something we have to wrestle with, don't we? We'll get to that. Luke 10, 19, same thing. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus, so, so we get from 12, and eventually he sends out 70, and he tells them, I'm giving you all power over the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan. Yeah, dominion, dominion of darkness. So I'm giving you all power and authority over that. These are powerful statements. This is before the cross. This is before the death, before the resurrection. The kingdom of God is breaking forth into earth, and we're seeing this is what it looks like. Romans 1.16, the gospel displays the power of God. This is what Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The very gospel that we believe, that's transformed your life, that's transformed my life, comes with power. Not only is it the power of God that transformed you and me, all of us, that in itself is an example of power. Actually, it's an example of a miracle. Because you're taken from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the, to the kingdom of light. That is the greatest miracle if we want to talk about miracles. That's, that's where it starts. So that gospel that transformed each and every one of us, transformed us with the power of God, but also comes with the power of God. It's like a buy one, get one free kind of thing. With all of us purchasing things for Christmas right now. So in other words... The gospel is not to be absent of the power of God. We look at uh, the Apostle Paul, and surely that's, we, you know, if you've read Paul at all, you see that Paul has done amazing things. And so for us to go to say, hey, this, this guy Paul, 
who again, so we, ha- we start with God the Father, then Jesus the Christ has the power, and then he, he commissions the 12 and then the 70, and then we have this guy named Paul who wasn't a part of the 70 and wasn't a part of the 12. So now we're branching out even farther outside, and we're, it's like six degrees type of thing. We're going farther and farther away from the original source. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's, what? Power. So Paul's saying this because he's dealing with all these other teachers that have now infiltrated the church, and he's trying to communicate to the church in Corinth that what these guys are saying you need to be weary of. You can't just hear and take in everything that you hear. You need to discern. You need to, to look at the scriptures like it talks about in, in Acts. The Berean church does that. But what he is saying is this. When he comes to talk, what differentiates him from everybody else is what? Power. And he basically says, I'm going to put the power of God on display when I come and share with you. Now, I can... He doesn't say exactly what that means, but I can summarize what that means because that's also a part of our vision statement. And we don't need to summarize because we can go back and we can look at and we can say demons being cast out, people being healed, miracles happening. All those things are examples of what I think Paul means based on what the scriptures say of what it means to speak with power. I can tell you this from a personal perspective. This is a verse I've been wrestling with for two and a half years now. As somebody who communicates God's word. Because I can't stand up here and say that I've effectively communicated God's word and been able to say with power. I don't think I have. Not the kind of power that I'm thinking of, that the scriptures are talking about. And so I'm thinking, should I be doing this? (laughs) Or should we only have people who operate in this way communicating and leading in in churches in that way? Is, Is that what Paul means? So that's my own process as, as I've told you, I'm, I'm, with it in, I'm in it with you in the process. And that's something I'm praying about and asking God about as well in my own life. Colossians 1.29, also written by Paul. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So Paul's talking about this power that's in him that he sees on display, that he, he must feel on some level and lives out. And we see Paul do amazing things in the stories. If you haven't read the book of Acts, go back and read the book of Acts and see how the power of God is on display. We also look at 1 Corinthians 4.20. We talked about the kingdom, but Paul says it again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And Jesus says in Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's, That's a huge part of the gospel message of what the gospel is about is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus talks about. Every message he gives is all about the kingdom of God. He just comes at it in a different way. It's like a rock. It's like a field. It's like a treasure. It's like a seed. It's like a bush. It's all these different things. Over and over again, he talked about the kingdom of God, but that kingdom has power to it. It's not an absent kingdom. It's not a dull kingdom. It's a powerful kingdom. And that's one of the ways you know the kingdom of God is at hand, is that power is present in that. Now we, get to, now we get to us. What do we do with this? I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. 
Again, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's talking about us. Okay? And there's another version that says cracked pots. I can definitely identify with being a cracked pot. He says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, God likes to use broken things. And in those broken things, which we should all be encouraged by, by the way, and in those broken things lies great power. But it's not our own thing, it's the power of God. And that power of God is on display in these cracked pots. Why? So that when, when the world sees that, they don't go, oh, wow, how great you are. They go, wow, it could only be God. Only God can do these things. Because I know you. <laughs> I know you can't. I know myself, and I know I can't. But God can. And that's what God wants to do. This is, this is God's prerogative. And this is how God operates. And, and I know for many of us, we wrestle with, why won't God do this? Why won't God do that? Why won't God heal this? Why won't God bring this person I love so dearly into the faith and, and open their eyes so they can believe who, who Christ is? How many of you guys have, have those struggles? You know what I'm talking about. There's a great story, I'll tell you. One of my, my favorite mentors, he was in India, and he was walking alongside um, the person who's the head of world vision in India. So they're literally walking down the streets. And that, I mean, Shashikala over here, she could bear witness. India is massive. The amount of people per square inch is, is crazy. I think the only other place that's, that might be more dense is the Philippines. And they were walking side by side, and he tells a story about a woman who was laying on a mat, and she was trying to change her, her kid. They don't have diapers there. There's cloth, so she's trying to clean this kid's cloth, it's India, it's hot, and, and he says, what? what's going on there? And, and the person from, from the missions organization said, that's her home. It's a mat, probably this size. And he says, that's where she lives. We know who she is. She's, she has a couple kids. And he says to her, he says to, to uh, he looks over, the guy from America says to the guy in India in the World Vision, why doesn't God do something about that? And the guy from World Vision looks at him and says, yeah, why isn't God doing something about that? In other words, how about you? And so I think a lot of times we can get frustrated in our faith saying, God, where are you? Why don't you do something about this? And how many times I believe that God is speaking to us or the people around us and we're stopping that flow or that conduit or that movement of the Spirit when God asks us, go speak to that person. Go give that person something. Why don't you, I want you to text this person and encourage them. And, and we're wrestling with, at least this is what I do, is this of the Lord? I'm not sure if I should do this or not. It's like one of those principles of discernment that you never have to discern. Will this, what, is, what I'm about to do, will this love God? Or love my neighbor. And if you can say yes to either one of those things, you got the green light to move forward. But God loves using broken vessels to do what he wants to do. But we need enough of those broken vessels to wake up and start saying, here I am, use me. I mean, any person of, of the scriptures who's done anything worth writing down and remembering, that's the posture that they would take. Not always at first, but eventually they'd come around and they'd say, literally, hineni in Hebrew, here I am, Lord, use me.
I make myself available to you. That's the invitation. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So what are the aspects, what are the characteristics of the gospel? What does it come with? Power and what? Conviction and the Holy Spirit. Those three elements, okay, are imprinted in each and every one of us. So where is the source of this power? It comes through the Holy Spirit in our lives of which we have, if we said yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the very presence of God in the form of the Holy Spirit lives inside each and every one of us. That doesn't mean we've allowed that presence to have its way with us and given it free reign. That's a whole other level and a whole other teaching for another time. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Again, you start seeing the red car, the red car is everywhere. If you do a word study on, on power, you'll be at it for, for days on end. It's amazing. But we need, to, we need to be doing those things. As people of the scriptures, that's what we need to be doing. And then when we come to these verses, we need to start saying, what do I do with this? Lord, what are you inviting me into? And that's what this whole vision process is. We've been given this, this profound statement from the Lord. Now we need to steward it and say, Lord, what does this mean for us? does this mean for me as an individual? What does this mean for us collectively as a church community? 2 Timothy 1.7, this is one of Ann Bernice's favorite verses. For the Spirit of God, Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us what? Power, love, and self-discipline. So again, it's the, the Holy Spirit within us that brings the very power of God, again, through Jesus Christ and the work that Christ did on the cross flows in that way from the Father on down to the Spirit into us, and we're invited to live out of that place. Now, some of you might saying, might be saying, well, when did this happen? Let's back up and say, when did this happen? Let me take you there. Luke chapter 24, Jesus is, has died, he's risen from the dead, and he has, has this powwow with, with hundreds of, of, follower, of his followers. And before the kind of great commission, before he sends them off, he says this to, to them, which is really fascinating. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. And he talks a lot about this in, in the Gospel of John. Go back and read John 15, 16, and 17. He talks about, which is the Holy Spirit. He says, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with what? Power on high. Now, Track with me here. This is where it gets challenging. And, and again, depending on how you grew up and what your theology is, and again, this is a, a compass I had to reorient to find a different kind of north in, in a sense. These are all followers of Jesus. They believe wholeheartedly in him. They've seen the resurrected Christ. Literally, they have given their life to following this man. Okay? Now they really understand that he is the Christ, the Messiah. They're all on board, most of them. It says, and some walked away. But for the, for the most part, the contingent, they have it. And then you go and got, um, John chapter 20, I think it's verse, uh, I can't remember what verse it is. It says that, that Jesus breathed on them and it said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in my mind, this group of people who are committed followers, just like we are, had the Holy Spirit within them. 
Because that's what happens when you give your life to Christ. The, the scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit comes and lives. But yet, Jesus says to them, wait. I'm about to send you out and I'm about to launch you out, but don't go yet. Why does he say that? Because they haven't received what? The power of the Holy Spirit yet. And again, this is where it gets like, well, wait a minute. Uh, if I said yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's in my life, don't I have the power of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that at my fingertips? Can't I utilize that and use that? This is where it gets like, oh, okay, what do we do with this? Again, this is what the Word of God says. But he says to wait. He says, before you go on this thing that I commissioned you to do, I'm going to give you the tools to do it. I'm going to give you the power Literally, the power of God is going to come upon you. Because if you try and do it on your own, you'll fall on your face. And I can tell you that's absolutely true. If I try and do it on my own, I will fall on my face. Having a relationship with Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit inside me, I will still fall on my face. If it's Jimmy's plan, it won't go that well. That's what I've learned. But if God is moving behind it, then the Lord has already won the battle. And I'm just following along. One of the things we talked about at our table was marching around uh, Jericho, right? And that's one of the first things that they do. When, when Joshua takes over, they enter the promised land, and, and God says, okay, here's the first city. We're going to take it. Now, and what are the instructions that God gives them? What does he say? Walk around seven times, okay? Six times, and on the seventh day, I'll, I'll give you the city. And who walks first? What's that? Yeah, Lacey, who walks first? Yeah, the musicians, the instruments, okay? When you go to battle, a little bit of history here. When you go to battle and you bust out the instrumentals, what are you saying or proclaiming with your instruments? What's that? That you've won. So God is saying, I'm going to give you this city Go march around it six times, and oh, by the way, send the musicians up front to proclaim our victory. Can you imagine standing at the top of the wall looking down and being like, what are you thinking? Like, do you see this wall that we live behind? Although there'd be like a million plus people, so it'd be a little intimidating to see that many people outside. But literally what they are proclaiming is the victory is already won. It's just coming. The same is true for us when we draft behind God, when we're led by the power of the Holy Spirit. The victory is already won because it's God that's doing the work. It's not us, but we have to show up, right? We got to march. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that and we know that story. We see in Acts chapter 2 that... that um, the fire from heaven comes down and rests upon them. And they start doing all these crazy things that we don't know what to do with theologically because it doesn't make sense in our brains. And we'll get to that next time. But we see, again, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that it happens. Now, this is interesting. Matthew twenty two twenty nine. 29. I want to draw your attention to this because I think this is good to hear. Jesus replied, you are in error. He's talking to the Sadducees, and they're talking about uh, marriage. That's the context of this. But he says, you're in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. In other words, you, you don't get it because you don't understand what's being said and you don't know the power of God. 
So he's talking to a group of religious people that know the Bible, what we would call the Bible, was the Old Testament then, very well. And yet he's saying, you don't see it correctly, and you don't operate in the power of God. And I think there's a lot of followers of Jesus that probably fit in that place. I want to leave you with, with these two scripture passages from Paul as we kind of wrap up tonight. Paul's conclusion to the church in Rome. This is, he's wrapping up the book of Romans, which is absolutely brilliant. In, in chapter 15, he says this, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the what? Power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, church in Rome, this is what you should be like, and this is how things should look when God is moving among you. And then later on, verse uh, 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except that what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Ilacrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So there's a lot of things going on there, and this, is, this will lead us into the next time we gather. But essentially what Paul's saying is, I proclaim the gospel. And when I proclaim the gospel, power was there. And when the power was there, what he calls signs and wonders took place. And where signs and wonders took place, only then does he say, that's the gospel fully proclaimed. And again, this is new for me. This is not what I was taught. This is not what I was brought up with. But I look at this, the Word of God, and this is what the Word of God says. And so I have to wrestle with that. If I want to genuinely do the best I can to follow after the Lord, then I need to, to look at these passages, especially since God's saying, hey, I, this is now in your vision statement. Why? Because I think God wants us to operate with power. And not just because it's in, in the vision statement, but, but I think it's fascinating that it found its way in there. Again, the vision process was a beautiful thing. Towards the end of the vision process, I literally stepped back. And Adam was still, still here at the same, at that point. And Adam and I stopped going to the vision gathering meetings at the very kind of tail end where they literally started to put pen to paper. Because we said, I knew if I'm a part of this, then I will influence the final product. And I want this to come from God and not from me. Because the people of, of Washington need to know that this came from the Lord. This is not Pastor Jimmy said, therefore we do. This is literally what God is inviting us into. So where the gospel is moving, this is the last thing I'll share with you. I'll put this quote up. So the gospel in its truest form is always followed by the power of God, which includes only things God can do. And I, I think that's where we're being invited into. Spaces where we're seeing things happen that only God can do. And we get to stand back and we get to go, wow, look at God move. How awesome is this? I get to be a part of it. And again, going back to one of the things I shared with you before, when the Lord moves in that way, the very presence of Christ is, it comes with us, upon us, and is present. And we get to experience God firsthand when those things take place. Now, I don't fully understand what that looks like or how we even get there. I don't have an answer for that. I wish I did. But I have some ideas. And we're going to get into those ideas. And, and, but I, I can tell you this. 
None of these things happen most of the time in my limited experience if we decide they're not going to happen. That's how much power we have to shut things down. God desires nothing more than to have every ounce of who you are and every aspect of your life, but we can keep that from the Lord too. We can also stop the power of God from moving if we collectively think it doesn't work that way. And on the flip side, there's something about expectation. When we come expectantly, God is revealed or is present in a way that is, is beyond our normal senses or, or experiences of God. And so that's why we create spaces like this. That's why we've created uh, spaces like Encounter Night where we want to come together and expect to experience God in, in ways that aren't normal. But that's not just to experience there. It's to literally take into our, the dailiness of our lives. Imagine if we took that expectancy of the power of God into everything that we did. And not just Sunday mornings, not just Wednesday nights, not just Sunday evenings. It would radically transform you as an individual and us as a community. Because there's some, I, the, the spaces I've been in where I've seen God move in radical ways, it's because most of the population present comes with an expectation. They, they're over the hump of, does God move? Does God still do these things? That's in the past. Literally, they're showing up saying, of course, and I love that. And I think that's where we're being invited into. So why don't we do this? Kelly, would you guys be willing to, to worship, lead one more that song again? Can we sing that last song that you did one more time? And, um, and Pat and Lauren, and I'll run back and, and do slides. We'll swap spots. And I'd love for us to sing that song one more time in light of what we've learned from the scriptures and in light of what we learned about who God is and how God operates and what we're being invited into. And if you need to just listen to the words, listen to the words. But I would invite us just to worship with everything that we have. And may that worship, may our worship be an expectation of God's reality in our lives. So as we sing those songs, let's sing them in faith. As if the Lord is going to do these things here at Washington Church. Not something we just read about in the scriptures. It's not the power of God then, but the power of God now. And then we'll, we'll close in prayer. Let's stand to our feet or fall to our knees or on our face, whatever position you want to take for this. Take the breath. 
Thanks again for coming. Um, I'm going to pray, but before I pray, um, I'd like to ask if anyone's able to stay and help with the cleanup and the teardown, that would be really appreciated. Um, and also, we're going to be continuing these vision um, conversations, so we'd love for you to come to the next one. It's the second Wednesday of January, so uh, mark that in your calendar. Um, ask your friends and family that aren't here tonight to come. Um, we really, uh, like Jimmy said, we really want uh, the whole body um, of Christ, our whole local congregation, uh, engaging in these conversations. So um, let me pray, and then, uh, again, if you can stay, that'd be awesome. God, thank you for being an incredibly powerful God. Um, a God who uh, created all things, who created us, um, and is is not a, a distant, powerful God, but you are a God who is very close to us. Um, thank you for the power um, of salvation. Um, thank you, Lord, that we have uh, that we can experience your power um, in many different ways. And we're just asking uh, that you would help us to be open to. Um, just every way you want to be powerful in our lives and in our community um, for the ways that we've never seen before but we see in scripture lord help us in our unbelief help us in our um just our openness to uh to move forward and and to see you work uh through us lord um thank you for our community thank you for jesus um and we just ask that uh that we can move forward that we can um that we can fail forward, that we can be uh, in obedience to you, um, trying new things, jumping off cliffs. Um, whatever it takes, Lord, we just want more of you, and uh, we want to do it together as a community. Thank you again for, um, for being with us tonight. Thank you for the leadership of Washington Church. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.